When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal has made it in after the Tequila Olympics. My friend, I'm very proud of you for uh, for making your way in. You're good. You're, uh, you're robust this morning. Cranach, you made it back. How are you, sir? What did you tell uh, Junior on the way home with uh, what you witnessed in the fourth quarter? I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him. During the game, uh, as soon as Iowa scored the go-ahead touchdown, he removed his hat and in Bo Pelini at referee fashion, just waved it and smacked the wall and yelled no. <laughs> and everybody else in the in the row were just like, we, yep, that's how we all feel, buddy. Like he was beside himself. And oh, I'm like, wow. welcome to being a Husker fan. Because this is the first year that he's been able to really invest and kind of understand what's going on. <laughs> Does um, he have any answers as far as the understanding with what's going on? Well, he did mention multiple times Scott Frost needs to be fired. Mm. Uh, How old is he? He's eight, by the way. Oh, he's eight. Okay. <laughs> he's eight. Um, and uh, it – oh, my goodness, man. What, <laughs> what a – it is a full-blown crisis right now that is facing Husker football, right? I, I just I don't think there's any other way to put it. It is straight-up crisis mode. And the, the person, there is a person that can change the fortunes that I don't think fully comprehends and understands his role, his role in reversing the fortunes that are facing Nebraska right now. I don't think he gets it. It's, I, I, I do. I do not think he understands that the reason why they're at where they're at isn't because he's missing one piece, or just needs a couple more pieces, or just needs a couple more coaches, or just needs the specialists to do their job a little better. It's not. It is leadership of the program mm-hmm. that is the problem. That's it. That you, you cannot excuse it away anymore. You have a person at the helm of this entire operation that is in denial about his role and why they do what they do consistently, historically, and why they always come up short and why they panic down the stretch and why they can't get over the hump. And why no alpha has emerged offensively. Think about this. 
Nebraska's issues are pure and simple closing. They can't close. What are the elements of the program? There's offense, defense, special teams. Which one does he not touch at all? Special teams. No, no, no. Back up. Which, which, no. He's, he's gotten a little more involved there this year. Mm-hmm. It's defense. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't mess with defense. Doesn't look like he touches special teams. My fault. <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. I know where you're coming. But defense, he doesn't mess with, right? Like just, Eric, go do your thing. And he does. Right? And he does. And for the most part, they've they've held up their end of the bargain. But then he micromanages the offense. the 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 identity of the offense is him. There's been nobody to emerge. Think about all the players that they've had. All the combinations that they've... Who's the alpha? Who's running the show on offense? That's a player. You can't name one. He he hasn't allowed... He, he grips it so tight, micromanages it so much, that there, there has not... He, he's not set an environment to where the... Where somebody can emerge and take control of that. <clears throat> He just he hasn't because the identity is him. The bravado is him. The constant is him. And when it when it gets to crunch time, he loses his mind. Dude, the the last 15 plays yesterday, even while up by five. The last 14 of them were passes. Yeah. What? and that's that's revealing and it goes back to with a freshman quarterback making his first start against one of the best defenses in the country i know and and that that just what? that underlines how he wants to get down when push comes to shove he wants to throw the football and show off his offense and be a high wire looks good style points sexy act or or that and or when it starts to get to crunch time, he panics. Well, I mean, th- th- dude, think about yesterday. Fair. Yeah, think about think about yesterday with the think about what he said in the post game. I know. It, it, I it mean, was, it it's, was, it's the most alarming thing I've heard from him it was, since he's gotten. Here. It was over when they blocked the punt. I can, can you believe that was said? Now here's the thing. It's true. <laughs> and he's honest all, in that moment. I, I think we all knew it. But but that is his job to make sure that that kind of thinking doesn't creep in. And that is 100% if, if on him. If it's creeping in with him, guess where the waterfall flows? Oh, my goodness. Because Dude. you you are the leader of the program, they look to you. Your team takes on your coach's personality, all of that good stuff, or in this case, alarming uh, crisis mode stuff. And Cranek, I mean, I think you 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 hammered it. And our old buddy Rock Westfall's up early with us this morning, and asked the question on Twitter. Can find us. And email us as well, chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, tweet at us at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And if you have some comments for Mark since Cranex off Twitter, uh, you're welcome to tweet at us for Mark as well. Is this state really going to spend the next nine months being told that 
this year is the year, i.e. 2022. We're so close. And this is about to pop. Nine months of ball washing and knowing where the pony in the barn is full of manure. There's a pony in the barn full of manure. I mean, yesterday was another instance of having it, losing it, not recovering, and the the old term, snatching victory and jaws of defeat. And you had the game won, and then you didn't. And it imploded spectacularly. And, and you give up a 19-point fourth quarter. <laughs> nine of those, nine of those um, on – special teams and a safety, and the script flipping uh, just shortly into that fourth quarter with the blocked punt, and then you get another possession. And listen, here, here's, here's three things that I took away on top of your, you know, leadership with Frost, and uh, he's out of answers, and it's panic mode for him when things get tight. A, you're right about the play calling. And I think I'm telling you the why, not that you should have done it. But it's like when you're up to bat and and you've been through the lineup, now you're on to the the third attempt at the pitcher, right? You're through the order and you're seeing a pitcher now for the third time or the fourth time. And and you know what his out pitch is going to be for you. You know what his velocity is like. Maybe he's lost a little steam as you get into the middle innings. They had a group of plays picked for Logan Smothers that they felt comfortable with. And Logan did a really nice job running things. He was really sound in the option with his decision-making, with his feet. He had, I mean, the guy threw the ball well enough to win. I know he had the pick at the end on a miscommunication. But the point is, is you, you hope not to get into that situation where it's, it's two-minute drill time with your first-time starting quarterback because you've been up by 15 <laughs> in the second half. When all you got to do is bleed the clock, it comes down to either trust on his offensive line or being so stubborn that he wants to win a certain way, and that's throwing the football. But Nebraska had a certain amount of plays set up. They'd run through them twice. And now I think there was some indecision with Scott. And again, this is just projection on my part. Do we keep going with kind of our rotation of plays that we picked for Logan, or do I go aggressive and open it up? Well, he went aggressive and opened it up on that drop back in the end zone. And this isn't a shot at Brock Bando because I think Brock has performed well when he's gotten in. But I'm not sure if that was his first time in that afternoon at right tackle, but he was in for Ben Hart. But do you, even so, at that point in the game, do you make a replacement uh, and I know Brock's had, or I should say, uh, Ben Hart's had his struggles, but that's two unfair changes, in my opinion. Uh, one unfair change and one unfair play call, where you've got a, a guy that's not played right tackle all that often, and you put him out on the edge to to make a block at the goal line, and you're calling a drop back at the goal line. I mean, that's yeah. that's coaching. Um mm-hmm. Special teams, they overload the left side uh, with a left with a left footed kicker and pressed up, and they and they block it, 
and uh, you had two guys to block three, and the the kid doing the protection blocked the outside and left let the inside guy go. And and then right before the safety, uh, you have your guy who's been fair catching all season long lose track of where he's at, and instead of, well, my heels are on the 10, I'm going to drift back and catch at the 6, he catches at the 6. And if they down it at the 2, so be it. Either he was told, you don't let this thing bounce, or he just didn't do the little detailed thing you're supposed to do, and the cardinal rule is you don't catch or fair catch inside the 10. Well, Nebraska, again, special teams decision-making caught inside the 10 and set up brutal field position where you were safetyed very shortly after. So that is a reminder that needs to be told, reinforced, and said by the head coach because clearly guys aren't able to, in the moment, make the play. One's a play call, two are other decision-making options where, uh, okay, there's an overload on a punt, we're pinned, and then there's a fair catch inside the 10, and then there's a play call. This is back to the future where there's a there's a series of events that, that causes a blow-up. And yeah. meanwhile, it feels like a rerun of the Washington game in 1991 or 1990 against Colorado where you're up and then you unravel. And you had two big fourth quarters in both of those games. The difference is both those teams won national championships. I was hoping for a little help from Minnesota today. But the case is this. It cannot go on. And it's going to be the longest offseason that I can ever remember when it comes to uh, hope, apathy, interest, all of those things. Because you are worn down to a nub as a Nebraska fan and it yesterday yesterday was the final insult because you'd lost a lot of games in similar fashion where you weren't able to make a play at the end with the football. In this instance, you had the lead for the first time all season and controlled most of that game. And we, we you, you're, you the, the kids are now waiting for something bad to happen, and there's no recourse by the head coach to stop it because he's waiting for something bad to happen. Mm. Am I wrong here to say that yesterday, if Scott Frost did not have the reworked contract, would have been a fireable offense? Whenever you look at the way way that game collapsed and then his answers in the postgame press conference? The season's fireable. And if you're Trev Alberts, you got to be wondering what Trev's thinking. Because he probably... October 1st is what he's thinking. That's exactly right. It's an eight-game season for him. And you're 0-2 right now since the reworking. And and you better be 5-1 by October. And and that just gets to that same question you've asked yourself 15 times this season, probably 15 times a game when you're right there against a ranked team. Is it going to get any better? And yesterday just reinforced the no. And there are options. There are ways to, to be better, but it all comes down to the head guy. Could he actually be better and better in the moment? And there's some serious doubt. It wasn't just yesterday. No. I mean, you've got a you've got a, an accumulation of evidence, yeah. and maybe he's just best off as a play caller. 
but he's going to get his chance on the loyalty side of things to really go to work and fix it. You know, from a play-calling standpoint and a design, fourth quarter, let's take that out of the picture, and I know it's hard to do that right now, but he put Logan in great position to succeed. And then completely abandoned it <laughs> when the chips got down. But yeah. it, it's overthinking and second-guessing. Yep. Put, and like, and dude, it's so it's so predictable too. Like when we talked yesterday morning, um, when you were on the on the remote at the bar, and we said Elijah, we said turnovers and special teams were going to murder us. Well, and Elijah asked, he's just like, hey, do you have any confidence that Nebraska special teams are going to be able to carry their weight? And I'm like, no, of course not. <laughs> like, no. Why would it? Why would we why have would it, any why confidence would it change? whatsoever in Nebraska special teams? Right? Like. No. And that, and that, of course, happened. And then we also talked about no matter what it looks like on paper, no matter what's open, do not put your freshman quarterback making his first start in a position where he's predictably passing every down. And both those things. You're dropping him back. You're not rolling him. Yeah. Give me a run pass both, option, man. Please. Both those things submarined Nebraska. Like, if you go back and look at the drive charts and the play-by-play, like we all know it happened, but when you just like, it was a cataclysmic meltdown down the stretch, like comedy of errors Unbel- I mean, <laughs> dude, you're up 21 to nine. I mean, the punt return for a touchdown, then a fumble. And then you're you have 20, a pick. You're up you 21 a, to nine on a team. That's not built to come back. I mean, just right. And then the big long 55 yard, it just like total, and complete meltdown. And listen to this. A couple weeks ago, it's not special teams, it's specialists. Let's let's review the cycle. Nebraska basically hit for the cycle in terms of giving up scores in all the ways possible. In all the ways possible on special teams this year. A safety on a punt return. Dude, we might go the rest of our lives and never see that again. Punt return to Michigan State. Punt return for a touchdown. Kick return for a touchdown. Punt block for a touchdown. Extra point for a safety. Yeah, like, what's ooh, left? You have hit for the cycle. What's left? A kick return for a safety, I suppose. That didn't happen. Uh, Multiple fair catches inside the 10. I, just like, what? It's not specialists. It's, spe- it's the whole operation. I, and that, that's my biggest hope for him is that he has and that Trev can get through. He still like, refuses look, to go there in the post game though, about f- hiring a special teams guy. Maybe he just doesn't want to show his cards, but he's got to do it. That's it. He's got to do it. I don't even know it. if that's it. Though. I don't even know if that's the answer, right? It yeah. might be. I, I, maybe a special teams coordinator makes it all better, but maybe not. <laughs> I, I, who knows? But regardless, the emphasis on it and the execution of it is rock bottom, worst in the country, cost Nebraska games, cost Nebraska the damn season. Wins. Mm-hmm. Just straight up. It's that bad. And he, it, but for him to pin it on, well, it's the specialist. Is it? Is it when all those things happen, when you give up every possible way of scoring in a season? Like, I mean, you, you can seriously go an entire year without seeing any of those things I mentioned. You it's very dec- You go a decade in good places. <laughs> yeah, you can you can go a long time without experiencing any of that. So then let's let's 
let's okay. So special teams an issue. Offense is micromanaged. Then let's talk about some of the other peripheral stuff. And I'm just going to say some names and you just conjure up whatever you need. Mm-hmm. J.D. Spielman, Maurice Washington, Wandale, Luke, the Florida Five, Greg Bell. Total roster mismanagement. Yep. The bowl game vote. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma Gate. Northwestern on the road. Colorado on the road. Iowa yesterday. <laughs> right? Like, th- Look, there are issues with just leadership. Being a leader of a program. Being a leader of men. And he has now an opportunity that literally no coach ever gets. He is fired at 99.5% of programs by this point, period. And yes, give, give them props for, for that whole thing about being close. There is some truth to that. There is Nebraska is not getting blown out. They're holding their own, right? Physically, they're holding their own. They're not getting embarrassed. You know, they're not getting just blown off the field. That's not happening. So there, there is a gap that's closed there. Great. Okay. Time to build on that. Time to build on that and, and recognizing that you have an opportunity that no other coach is getting. Nobody is getting the opportunity he gets. But it starts with him. It is not about getting one more piece. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. Like Derrick Henry's not walking through that door, man. Like it's it's not about that. It is about what signals are you sending? What are you reinforcing? What are you meddling in and not meddling in? What are you doing with the psyche of the team? What, what are you saying or not saying? How are you letting leaders emerge on offense? <laughs> are you putting too much into one human being? Like those those moments, I know we mentioned it about he wants so badly for Adrian to have that moment. Yeah. Great. A little vicarious living. <laughs> but, if, oh, my God, that's not why we're all here. No. It's bigger Everybody than, would love that, too. It's bigger than you, and it's bigger than, than your quarterback. We're not here to give Adrian his moment. All the players aren't there to give Adrian his moment. Frost is not there to give Adrian's not there to get his moment. The 150 need their moment. The 1.9 uh, million need their moment. Come on. Just you're focusing on the wrong stuff and in denial about stuff that is clear as day. The offense falls apart consistently down the stretch. Not just once, not twice, not three times, not four times, not five times, not six, nine freaking times in a year. Like that's systemic. That is not missing one piece. That is across two different quarterbacks. That's across God knows how many running backs mm-hmm. or how many offensive line combinations or how many receivers maybe didn't do the right thing. Come on. Though there's one constant in all that. There's one constant. Frost. Here's here's the other thing. If if you are built on so much bravado and confidence and ego coming into a situation and you believe so deeply in in your way of doing things, you're going to die on that hill, and and that's what that's 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 the first step with the problem is really thinking that 
oh, what I what I think is the way may not be the way. It's okay to tweak and adjust and shift to the neighborhoods you're in. And he, from the get-go, when it comes to emphasis on special teams and the way you design a defense, is just get us the football back. My offense is going to be so good, we'll score. Or, you know, what's the priority on, on special teams in the kicking game, in the coverage game? Well, I'm going to get X number of possessions. I'm going to score 50, half a hundred a, se- a game. And it won't matter. The field goals and punts won't matter because we're going to be up. I mean, that's the line of thinking he came into this job with. And he's had to adjust, but he still hasn't fully adjusted or it's not it's not shifted yet. And I know we're going into year five. But, but that was the mindset coming in. I know it all. It's going to work. It's going to translate. It's going to be adjustable to what I'm doing. And that's a hard lesson. That's a lot of humble pie to have to eat. But after year one and even after year two in this league, you've had time to adjust and get better at what wasn't working and what was costing you games. They've gotten better defensively. Janander saw what was going on and said, well, we got to be more stout on the, on the, on the defensive line. we got to be rough. we got to be tumble. And even though we don't have a stud pass rusher, we're going to figure it out, and I'm going to scheme some things for a backer or a guy like Doman or some of my safeties to, to come off and, and make some TFLs. We'll build Garrett Nelson up. We'll build Caleb Tanner up. We'll get some interior push from Rodgers and Ty Robinson and Ben Stilley. God bless that guy who just sold out yet again yesterday. I mean, that defense did everything in their power, and I know they got gashed for that 55-yard run for the go-ahead. But you want to talk about doing your job? When, when I was crossing into your territory seven times and they have four field goals and one touchdown, that's incredible. As physical as that offense is, as, as much as Nebraska was getting beat up in the A-gap without Daniels yesterday, they really refocused and, and hunkered down in the second half. That's what's also disappointing, where you've got guys that really – have been developed well and play good football on the defensive side of the ball where it, it ain't, it ain't complimentary. <laughs> no, and, no. And that's, and, that's what's sad because while this defense wasn't great, it wasn't Oh nine, it wasn't 2010 as a group, they were a pleasure to watch and they were great kids and they played for one another. They played for the entire team and it's, it's just sad that, you're you're stuck where you're at and you've got a you got a head coach that's still out of answers and you just wonder if if he can get it righted and listen to people listen to his athletic director listen to his former head coach start developing people on the offensive line through practice and and how you're how how kids are going to get better mm-hmm. i mean there's there's talent on this football team and, and you've got to unlock that talent and get them ready. And you've got to be of sound mind mind, and not panic yourself. you got to have a plan B because clearly your plan A is 
may work for a while, but they're not enough to carry you for a victory. And you better figure out. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out offensive line. You got to figure out special teams. You got to figure out running back. And who are you going to beg to be here? I mean, I we we have a bunch of names, and there's there's a wish list that could really help this program out and open the piggy bank, pay who you got to pay. But the problem is 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 the long term <laughs> because it doesn't feel real secure right now. And that's that's awful. That's awful for that defensive side of the ball with those coaches. Uh, and I know you're you're looking for a majority of people to reset and rehire on offense, but the names and people, God, you you want to go get? At least I want to go get. There's no way. I mean, you're gonna have to pay stupid money to get the assistance, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But it's still probably. It's that scale of of security <laughs> versus finance. And the, well, and the best thing he can do if it happens is to let it go, like he let Chen Andrew go. Get good guys, let them let coach, them do their job, and that's that's the part of the CEO. Yep. It. Think about this too. Guess how many times Nebraska scored more than thirty this year? Just once. Twice. It was twice. The two fifty point wins, Fordham and okay. Northwestern. Was, That's it. So it was once Didn't, against a power five team. Once against a right. They scored fifty twice. They they never they never got above thirty besides that. They, they were knocked the on 20s. the door a couple times, but you're you're yep. at that twenty the number's twenty four, pretty much. They listen to their listen to their running rushing yards last six games during the loss. One forty, one thirty six. 130, 113, 101, 129. Didn't even get to a buck 50 on any of the last six games running the ball. The, the attempts were, I mean, the attempts were pretty high yesterday. At yesterday, 40, they were 43. 43, but not the last 15 plays. <laughs> yeah, no. And, it, and that was part, like the part, of, the, part of that's a two Part of that's a two-minute drill, okay? Mm-hmm. But you had time with, with the blocked punt. Uh, or, or the safety. I mean, the other problem is you went three and out. <laughs> yeah. you, you need to put a drive together when it's 21-21 and you go three and out. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Let's uh, so, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> there's plenty of show to get to. <laughs> Brandon Vogel's open. Open phones for you as well. We're going to step away, take a quick break, and uh, just hear, hear from Scott Frost, the uh, the postgame presser. Maybe you caught an excerpt of it or two uh, last night on the Reaction Show or you watched it on social media. But uh, we'll run uh, full Scott Frost next. Iowa uh, Downs, Nebraska, 28-21. Weekend edition continues with Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Uh, I'm going to talk about hiring people later. Scott, what do you tell your kids after they had to control this game? <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Um, you know, I feel like a broken record a little bit with them. Uh, so, you know, today was some guy's last game, and I can't tell you how much I love and appreciate uh, Deontay and Jojo and Markel and and all the other guys. I don't want to list them all. All those guys. Um, 
you know, the, everything that we've been through this year as a team, 99% um, of teams would have folded and quit. Um, there's no quitting these guys. Life teaches you good lessons. Sometimes you get the breaks. Sometimes it teaches you tough lessons. And um, I appreciate the fight and those guys and the commitment they've had. And um, yeah, nobody can say that, that that group ever shut it down. Logan played overall, and did anything change in the second half? Maybe started. No, my message to him was simple: go out, and make plays, and don't turn the ball over. Um, we played a really clean first half. Um, you know, that's a, a good team across from us, and they're, um, you know, they, the, a lot of games they've won because they've created turnovers, and other teams have, have made the mistakes and they haven't. And uh, we didn't make very many, if any, in the first half, and we made some critical ones in the second half. Um, thought Logan managed the game pretty well. Um, did enough for us to win. In the field, it looked like he thought Maybe Levi was going to continue his route there. What, what did you see on that last? On the yeah, that's a play we run all the time. The receiver has an option to run in a post or shutting it down. And I bet we have 3,000 reps of that and um, made the wrong throw at the wrong time. Did you anticipate Iowa switching up quarterbacks at that uh, no, but you know, I don't. I don't know if that was a factor. He came in and played well, and they won. So maybe it was, but. Um, the punt, the the block punt was the game. Um, you know, and, and when you've been in as many games like this as we have, um, you know, you just stop, try to arrest the negative momentum at that point. Um, then we missed on one protection and gave up a safety, and defense hadn't given up any chunk runs, big runs all day, and we give up one at the wrong time. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm, you know, I'm really encouraged about how we play every week and all the young players that are playing well and a lot of those things. Um, you know, we're a lot better team than we have been, and uh, in a lot of ways we've made progress. There's some other ways we got we got a ways to go. The, the young core of this team is um, is good enough to win, and. Um, we got to do the little things right to make sure we're on the right side of these close games. What do you need from your, your running back spot, from your, the production from that position moving forward for your offense? Yeah, it, it's got to be better. Um, you know, it, it's not it, it's not one guy. It's it's blocking better downfield on the perimeter, and it's the holes being a little bigger and um, getting a few more tough yards or making somebody miss and. Um, uh, we've run it well at times, and it's just not consistent enough uh, to count on it. You know, really in the second half, they were pretty much taking their backers out of the box uh, to get us uh, out of our option game. Uh, when that happens, you need to just be able to run the ball between the tackles. And um, we did okay at times. Probably the the play that hurt us and gets overlooked a little. And the last play of the third quarter. Uh, we called one of those plays and crashed down and tried to pull the ball. I um, think it would have been a really good game for us and put us in better field position to start the fourth. Uh, we laid the ball on the ground and it was second 11 and they blocked the punt. Um, so that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of been death by paper cuts uh, this year. And uh, same thing happened today. And, you know, I, I stand there, I want to stop them. The negative things from having stopped the momentum and, and talked to the kids and 
you know that that was uh, that was a lot of, of bad plays in, in in a row. And credit to them, they made the plays when they needed to. We didn't. Did you get? A, did you have a sense of your sideline after that block punt? Yeah, the sideline was, you know, I went and talked to the guys that mattered, and everybody's the look in their eyes was great. Um, just with, with what we've been through, Sip, honestly, you know, it's human nature to just have it in the back of your head, like, what's going to go wrong? Um, and when one goes wrong, what else is going to go wrong? And a lot had to go wrong in a row uh, when we were up 21 to 6 and 21 to 9, and um, I felt great. Um, and I, can't, I, I really believe our kids believe they're going to win this game. Uh, I'm sure they believed it when it was 21-9. Um, then when the the block punt happens, um, it's probably human nature. They got it in the back of their head. And um, wins take care of that. You win one close one, then you win another one. And 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 that that's how you get that fix. Last couple of weeks, um, both teams ran the ball on you more than, than most teams had this year. Is that just as simple as missing some guys? Yeah, I mean, the, the teams we played are really good at running it, um, or good at running it. Um, certainly doesn't help not to have some of those guys. I mean, Damian Daniels has been a huge part of this this team, and especially in the run game, and uh, JoJo and Deontay and and others. And, um, you know, I can't blame that, though. Uh, we, did a, we did a good enough job against the run for three quarters, and... Um, gave up a long one when we couldn't, but uh, yeah, I go back. It goes back to special teams. If, if we get that, don't get that punt block for a touchdown, and they have to go 80 yards or 60 yards to score, um, I still feel great about our chances. Scott, when you look at when you look ahead, Scott, is how important now are these next few weeks with the hires, with the transfer portal, with recruiting, and everything that you guys face? Uh, yeah, really important. Um, we've been so close. This thing has a chance to to really take off. Um, part of that's going to be uh, getting a few guys to stay, maybe. Uh, part of that's going to be getting some, some new blood in the program. Part of that's going to be getting some new coaches. And um, like I said, we got a good young core. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I'm really encouraged by the, the progress we've made just from a football standpoint. Um, it's criminal that the record is where it is. And I got to do a better job because. Uh, Coming this close in that many football games and not not getting any uh, is heartbreaking. Two more for Coach. Got the, the psychology of saying you're close. I, I, I think that's been a big part of keeping your team's spirits high and you know the fact that they haven't quit. Is there a flip side to that where you have to maybe tell them, hey, we got a long ways to go too? Or do you have you have you considered the psychology of? Yeah, I consider the psychology what I talk to the team about every week and um, trying to give them a message. Yeah, I, I, but I really don't believe a message on Thursday night is, is the key. Um, and I've tried and I will continue to. Um, really, it, it, it comes special teams and, and a little detail here and there. And we got to do a better job as coaches making sure the details don't get us beat. Uh, we got to do a better job as coaches making sure special teams don't get us beat. Um, and when those things get you over the hump in a game or two, then you know it's not hoping we're going to win or thinking we're going to win. It's, it's knowing we're going to go out and get it done. And um, we got to do a good job of that. For those, guys, for those guys specifically that maybe are key to getting back next year, what's your, I guess, what's your message when you meet with them about kind of selling them on that? Team? 
Uh, I don't think they need to be sold. I think each one of them just needs to make a decision that's best for them. Um, there's some that, that probably need to go give it a shot at the next level. Uh, there's others that can use another year. Um, in my senior year, a couple guys came back that could have dra got drafted real high, but they wanted to see this through. And I think we'll have some like that and, and some that uh, want to go take the next challenge. Um, but the guys that are going to be back need to bond together and, and take one more step. All right. Thank you, Coach. Thanks. Thanks. Scott Frost, the full nine minutes yesterday after Nebraska's deflating very apropos finish to uh, to 2021. Next hour, we'll hear from Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, get his take on the Nebraska loss to Iowa, also a tough one in, in Madtown for Nebraska Volleyball. Mm. So uh, get, uh, get that from him. Gary Sharp, bless his heart, the Iron Horse. He's been on the road 10-plus days uh, traveling with UNO Basketball. And his flight out of Indy is, uh, well, departing uh, the, the time he's usually supposed to be on with us. So we'll have the full Sharpie uh, next uh, next Saturday, get his take and synopsis. Uh, numbers to get in. You want to join us this morning on the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. The... Question is this, what's Coach Frost going to do about these losses, how Nebraska's losing, and flipping that mentality? He's not wrong. It's You just got to win one, and then you'll have some confidence. But it's been a hell of a hard time winning that one. I mean, there's been so many, so many things that have gone wrong, broken wrong, self-inflicted, detail-oriented, that it's... It is kind of just a part of you now. And, I mean, Cranach, it's, it's comical with how they've lost in the same breath with how well they've performed in some moments. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's just maddening. And this was the absolute final insult. This was a new and different special hell to lose the game. <laughs> oh, jeez. Special hell. That's the that's the way to put it. That's what being a fan of of this iteration of Nebraska is right now. And it's funny too. You hear people talk about you know oh, apathy is going to set in and sellout streaks and jeopardy and yeah maybe to some degree. But you're still I don't angry. Think so. I, you're still I, you're still angry as a fan yeah. and disappointed and frustrated. But you haven't quit them. No, and I don't think fans are gonna because at the end of the day. You know, going to a game is pretty fun, right? And just, you know, being able to see your friends and being able to take your kids and let them slap fives with players and get pictures with Herbie. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's it's good stuff. You know, people like doing that. I I think if anything, it's kind of this these these last few years have shown that it goes beyond wins, right? Mm -hmm. Like, of course, everybody wants to win. It's but like, the experience. People want to have the experience. It's pretty cool. Nebraska doesn't have a whole lot that's like really cool <laughs> to go to. The zoo is pretty awesome, mm -hmm. I guess, in Omaha. Same uh, with Lincoln's. You know, yeah, Lincoln's Zoo is great. <laughs> Sunken Gardens, awesome. Uh, All the breweries. You know, yeah, there's some good <laughs> breweries. There's good restaurants, I guess. But like, it's a it's a good place to go. It's fun. You know, that's why people you know turn out. 
for for volleyball they turn out for basketball they turn out for baseball like like no other team does throughout the country you look at like i bet you if you added up nebraska's collective attendance Mm -hmm. of all sporting events it's got to be tops has to be tops if you add up baseball average Mm -hmm. attendance basketball average attendance volleyball football who's who's who does more who who attends more than nobody no right nebraska's tops in that regard so I don't think that's an issue. I don't think people have to worry about that. I think that's misplaced. It's it's about though it as the head of the program are are you do you have enough self-awareness to know where things that you are saying or doing or not doing or saying are ultimately what is the issue? Right? And do you have enough do you have enough wherewithal to back out where you should and to be consistent. Like, hey, listen, the, the philosophy of no fear of failure is great. Mm-hmm. Got to live it. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Do, do you really live that when you have musical chairs at running back? Are you really living that? Right? I, <laughs> no, you're not. Mm. I, it's, you know, you, as a philosophy, it's great. Hey, we'll never scream down a kid. Actually, no, you've done that this year. You, you've absolutely done that. This like, yeah, you did it on the sideline after uh, an interception against mm-hmm. Madison against Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be about it. Whatever you're saying, you got to be about it. You got to walk the walk, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do what you and say and say happen, what you do. And when that doesn't happen, is it surprising that maybe players act confused and <laughs> fall apart? Who am I getting I here? Believe. Am I, who, what, what coach am I going to get here? What personality? Yeah, who's the true you? Who's the true you? Time out yeah. and hour two on the way. Weekend edition at Tail Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, Big uh, virtual hugs to all of you that came out to see us at the bar. The bar yesterday for the uh, 9 a.m. Hale Varsity edition and then Real Red Reaction, we had a blast despite the result. Uh, good times had by all. Uh, Mark Cranach here this morning. Elijah Herbal here this morning. And, and Herbal did it the right way, man. His final uh, game as a student. Caught up with some buds and uh, enjoyed himself. And uh, Cranach, I know you got to take your little boy. Junior, uh, and we were talking about Nebraska fans and that next generation of Nebraska fans. And as a dad, I love what I got to experience as a kid with my father and my brother and my mother, West Balcony, pre-new Skybox, right? I mean, we're talking old school, 80s and 90s. And that was our, our, our Saturday. That's that's why it's so much fun to get to cover the program because it, it, it's something I've been doing my whole life, going. And as I've gotten older, been able to, to cover a lot of Nebraska games. Well, that isn't me taking Junior to football games on Saturday, right? The, the chain's been broken. Well, him and his buddies 
they all they, they, he's now that he's playing football in high school, he really loves football, so he wants to go. It's not about well, is Nebraska winning? I don't want to check him check him out if they're not winning. He wants to go and he watches it and. Uh, I, I get a, a, a smile on my face how he finds his way into uh, to suites or somebody's club section or dirties his way into section one. And he texts me as I'm sitting at the bar yesterday after the blocked punt. And he's like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Your kid's going the Polini act with swinging his hat against the wall. My kid's in section one going... What the bleep was that? How do they give up a blocked pot? You know, I mean, I, I love watching his wheels turn with it and watching him grow up uh, and and just kind of soak in Nebraska football. We bring in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Get his book, uh, Dream Like a Champion. And I hope you took advantage of the Black Friday deals with Hale Varsity uh, Digital, Hale Varsity Magazine, all the exclusive content. Can log on com backslash subscribe and get more info on that. Vogues, we, we've all experienced this from childhood to adulthood following this program. Uh, first as, as fans or, or Nebraskans, and then as, you know, as professionals where you, you take the fan hat off and you look at it objectively and and critique and criticize and praise. And there's been a lot of games we've watched. And then there's this season with a conglomeration of games where the unexplainable happens. And I loved your column when it comes to, to Sooner Magic, that one team that did the one thing for X number of years that was improbable. And then there's the Hawkeye logic that you hit on in your column, bud. And my simple question is this. Did how yesterday ended surprise you? Or was there ever doubt in your mind that Nebraska could actually hang on to this thing? Um, it didn't surprise me. So I guess there was doubt that they could, that they could hang on to it. I mean, that, that blocked punch sent me back to... 2003 as like a lifelong Cubs fan and Bartman, uh, the Bartman play. And I was just like, I, I said aloud to the two people in the room with me at the time in 2003, I was like, that's how the Cubs don't make the world series. And, and I mean, there were still sort of similar to yesterday. There was still a lot to go. Chicago still had to give up a lead and then lose the next game. But it was just having watched it, the Cubs my entire life, you just felt like you knew. And even with this block punt that only got up within five, the, the first touchdown Iowa had scored on the day, you felt like, okay, here it is. But even like watching the specific ways that unfolded after that, it's still hard to believe. It, it's like if you took everything that had happened to the, to, in this season to this point, came up with an even worse version of it, and said, yep, that's the ending. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and you're right. And in the postgame, Brandon, uh, you know, Frost said, you know, after the, uh, you know, the game, the game was over after, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, the, the punt block for a touchdown was the game. But, and, he, and he's right. We all did think that. But rhetorical question, whose job is it to stem that tide? Well, I mean, I think when you're for long, it, your kind of progression as a program 
And, and we've heard, you know, coaches make reference to this at various points over the past two, three years. Uh, you hope it goes to the players to stop that. But that, that behavior has to be modeled for them far before that. And we've just never seen uh, a sense of that from, from this Nebraska team. And it's tough when you watch guys like Austin Allen and Cam Taylor Britt and the seniors at safety play their last game. Ben Stilley played a great game. Um, and you know that We want to reconnect. Vogues, I'm going to pump the brakes. We lost you for about 20 seconds there, partner. Can we reconnect with you? <laughs> sure. All right, we're going to reconnect with you, and we're going to pick up on that thought. And it was going to be dynamite, Cranach, that that response from Brandon Vogel. But he was – question. Right. He was, he was alluding to, to the players that they got to stem the tide, but that's got to come – Again to the waterfall, right from from the head man down. That's got to be ingrained in his in his kids. Vogues, we're going to pick up. You started and stopped about you know the players stemming the tide, bud, and and continue on. Yeah, I mean, I where you want that to come from, um, but Nebraska hasn't been there yet, and to to kind of cite that as as what you're waiting for. It's, it's the same thing as, you know, in the postgame saying, well, wins take care of that. Well, well how are you going to get those? And it's, it's kind of the question that remains unanswered as we go into yet another season. You've, you've got you to win first before the players get that feeling and can take care of it. And the players got to have confidence that it's, it's going to stop the, the – the, the musical chair stops here with finding unique and creative ways to lose. And it comes down to what you're doing with training the kids, putting them in positions to succeed, and then just going and doing, right? I mean, there's, there's a process to all of this. And, you know, what did you think of, of how Nebraska set up their players yesterday? From, from the play call to the game plan to the execution. I mean, the, the Frost is getting hammered here with why are you dropping your, your freshman quarterback back at the goal line? Why are you making a change at right tackle in that series? Why, why are you not adjusting to the overload side when I was coming after a blocked punt three versus two? I mean, Vogues, we just get back into details, right? That you have too much assumption going on by the head coach that guys get it. A fair catch at the seven, right? I mean, it's just over and over and over again. Yeah, I think that's a that's a key point. And you, you sometimes run into that with kind of, you know, it, it, across various disciplines where you have somebody who was really good. Scott Frost was obviously a really good football player. And you kind of expect everyone to be able to, to kind of have the same approach and do things the way you, you do it. And all the evidence we've seen so far with Nebraska is that's kind of a faulty assumption that's costing them at some key points. Um, you know, for, for three quarters, I thought how Nebraska chose to play that game was masterful. They, like, hit every checkpoint they needed to hit. They got a lead. Uh, they were keeping things manageable by staying on schedule for, for Logan Smothers, and it looked great. 
defense was forcing field goals instead of giving up touchdowns. Like everything to that point was was virtually perfect. And then it all it was like a, a switch flipped. And you know, you think about that series after the point, you start with a twenty eight yard gain. I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty darn good response. Even if you just have to punt from Iowa's half of the field, maybe that's enough. But it's 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 the story of this season writ large, and and kind of the story of the past four, to a lesser degree. Of it's just this this series of almost unbelievable events in combination, and they keep happening to the same team. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and you know there's still more games to be played nationally today, but. Current rankings, just hear me out on this, special teams for Nebraska. 127th in punt returns, 89th in punt coverage. That's like your best number, by the way, your best ranking. 105th in punting, 123rd in kick return, 110th in kick coverage, 125th in PATs, 124th in field goals. And this is out of like 130 schools. Um. <laughs> Yet, we hear from the head man, it's specialists, it's not special teams. <laughs> is, uh, is he in denial about what <laughs> ails Nebraska? What, how, how do you explain that line of thinking? Well, at the, at the time that he said that, I, you could kind of see it. Uh, but since then, <clears throat> your coverage units have your coverage and your point protection units have, have joined the party, and those are not just one one person. Uh, so that argument kind of fell fell away pretty quickly. You know, it's, if it was as simple as hiring a special teams coordinator, if all of that gets better, and maybe it is. If you find the right guy, it's certainly possible. I, I think you do it in a heartbeat. I think the bigger issue is that special teams is kind of – uh, an early warning sign on the overall health of everything. And to that point, Nebraska hasn't just hasn't been healthy enough as, as a program as a whole, as we can see from the record. So it becomes a question as they have this opportunity to, to directly address it or not directly address it. You know, is, is the – is the cure just getting better overall or is the cure saying, well, we're going to get somebody <laughs> trim this, this particular belly fat rather than work on their overall health. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I, it seems like the popular sentiment at the moment is hire that personal trainer to, uh, to help you slim down a little bit. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, as we move forward through the off season, do you have a, a, a ranking of uh, what Scott needs to address this offseason to, to get things fixed next season whenever you look at issues along the offensive line, uh, the unsettled situation at quarterback? You don't even know who the offensive coordinator is going to be next year, and then you combine that with the, the disastrous play from special teams. Uh, what, what's, what's the ranking of – I know you obviously you want to say all of them need to be fixed, but what, what's the ranking in your mind of what's the first thing that needs to be fixed, what's the second thing that needs to be fixed, uh, if, if you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, um, offensive line is absolutely at the top for me. And I think, you know, the offensive coordinator hire is obviously very, very important. I don't put the offensive line hire very far behind that. You know, one of the most interesting things from postgame yesterday was talking about Iowa basically moving their linebackers out of the box 
to combat the Nebraska attacking the edge with the actions. And Nebraska couldn't just hand it off and run between the tackles. You know, and that's the stuff that's a little bit easier to miss than the quarterback, whether it's Adrian or whether it's Logan, having somebody in his face constantly. I mean, that, that's the easy part to see. So you got to get the offensive line fixed. I think you then that should come with an ability to run the ball more effectively, which really hasn't been there since 2018 uh, in terms of the handoff run game. If they can do those two things, I think a lot of things come along with it, and special teams might be one of those because Nebraska just might be able to put up some more points. Bogues, I want to go back to special teams for a second. What's your theory on on the why? Why has Scott been so reluctant to admit? I mean, he's he's talked till he's blue in the face about – little things and details and getting better and fixing and go through the, the, the spin the wheel of, of responses on it. But why has he been so, I don't want to say anti, but it, it just, he just feels like eventually the work will pay off and get better without a, I mean, you, you have Dawson looking at it. You've got Bush on staff. You hear Snyder's name bandied about. Guys got to do their job. I totally get it. But are they not what, – what are they doing Monday through Thursday to get better at their job? We do a bad job Monday through Thursday, and I'm not saying they do, but it doesn't look like they, they show up ready or are at least consistent on Saturdays. So why do you think he, he has just ignored it all along, or it looks like it's been ignored? Why is it, why is it the redheaded stepchild? Yeah, I don't know if uh, Frost feels that way, but I guess he, here's here's something to to consider when when looking at special teams. Um, so we'll use ESPN's SP Plus ratings, which combines all the special teams together. Like the top of that list, it, you're probably adding two points maximum over the course of the season to to your scoring your expected scoring total the bottom of the list, you're probably only losing two points. So, you know, when you're thinking about from a purely like analytical, very cold, hard, um, let's just figure out the most efficient use of resources, um, special teams, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's not important. It just, it doesn't add up to a whole lot at the end of it. Now, when you look at Nebraska, which gave up 43 points without the other offense even being on the field, this season, uh, yeah, that that does that does add up pretty quickly, but that's pretty outside the norm. So, that, I'm not saying that's how I would approach it. I'm saying that's kind of the argument for, well, if you're going to marshal your resources, spending one of those ten coaching positions on a special teams coordinator alone is pretty costly. Some teams do it, and they get the result they want out of it. So, I don't know if that's where that comes from, but. As far as why it's continually been this way, I mean, I think that, again, goes to a bigger picture question, which it's about detail and technique. And this program from the very first game this year, uh, I, I was writing about it very early in the season. Like, it doesn't seem like a team that is focused on technique and, and details. It seems like a results-driven program, um, which is – a tough way to win football games consistently, in my opinion. Real quick, 
And your 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 response is beautiful because at best it's it's giving you two. At worst, you're losing two. Well, in one score games, that that whittles things down a lot of times to, to a field goal. But Vokes, can you put a price tag on momentum? <laughs> Let alone the nail in the coffin on a punt return, or a game losing field goal, or a missed field goal, or just keeping some momentum, or a safety, or Again, a blocked punt that turns into seven. That's that's the bigger picture discussion. Is can, the the big the big picture is the momentum it takes or can give for for more yeah. points than than the two. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I mean, I don't know what the the market rate is for momentum, but but whatever it is, Nebraska definitely play, pays. inflated prices for it because, you know, it it comes up every time after one of these games of, and it comes up at other times too, where, well, we just need to win a couple in a row, or we just need to get over the hump in one of these games. Like it is clearly a program that needs that momentum. And when it swings the other way, it's not, it hasn't have, it doesn't have a history of dealing well with that. So uh, whatever everybody else is paying, Nebraska's probably playing double or triple for those momentum exchanges. Brandon Bogle is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, I want to get your take on this. I mean, you, you wrote a book with John Cook, um, Dream Like a Champion, and I think he's pretty, pretty uh, widely regarded as the top uh, head coach at Nebraska, any sport, right? Maybe one of the top head coaches in the country, any sport. Maybe it's a bit of an unfair comparison just in terms of their levels of experience, but let's do it anyways. What, in your dealings with Cook and knowing that program as you do, what does John Cook understand and display about leadership that Scott Frost does not seem to understand or display? Yeah, I think we're we're getting to a key one, or at least that's the hope with the changes that Nebraska has chosen to make and not chosen to make. You know, Coach Cook was, I think, about a decade into his time back at Nebraska as the head coach when he kind of realized he was burning out. He needed to delegate. I mean, you watch Nebraska games now, and there's a lot of these timeouts. I, you know, you take a timeout in volleyball when things typically aren't going well where the assistants do the majority of the conversation with the team. Like Coach Cook realizing he needed to give up control but of certain things. Of course, he's still overseeing everything, um, but also had to, I think, was kind of a key turning point. You know, and we talked a lot about that in that book and, and just talking to him directly for that book. It came up pretty frequently. And the past four years for Nebraska – hasn't happened. I don't think Frost has been willing to do that. Um, I think that's probably pretty common for a young coach. And now you've got this opportunity that almost nobody gets to, to change that. And we'll see if it, if it happens. It's easier, easier to identify, I think, it is to actually enact. Brandon, I think that most Nebraska fans look at Scott Frost on the sideline and, and they say to themselves, Scott Frost needs to give up play calling duties. He, he needs to be the, the leader on the sideline as opposed to always focused on calling the offense, what play is coming next, and be able to get that feel for the team to be able to lead. But my, my question to you is, from all we've seen from Scott Frost during his four years here, 
do you believe that he'll be willing to bring in a new offense coordinator and be willing to, to give up play calling duties to whoever that person may be? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be hard to do. Um, and, you know, for, for everything that's happened for Nebraska's record to this point, like, it's still pretty clear to me that he's pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. So what I think will happen is uh, he's going to find an offensive coordinator who shares some similar ideas. Um, which might scare some people, but I, I think that's what's coming. Um, share some similar ideas, has experience, and say, okay, well, we'll we're still going to talk about this and, and think about it from a big-picture perspective. But from there, it's yours to get us ready for a Saturday. Um, and is that enough? Could be. You know, I mean, part of me thinks – you look at these big picture questions for Nebraska, and I wrote this after the Wisconsin game, and I had to stop myself from from writing it again yesterday. Of the, the questions are so big and so kind of psychological, or in the fabric of of how they do things day to day, that it's tough to think that four new assistants can come in and instantly make that change. But then you look at the defense for Nebraska and what Shenander has been able to do. You, then you drill down even more and look at the job Tony Tuioti, in my opinion, has done and the linebackers. And it's like, well, you're just, you're just looking for an offensive line coach that can be like, well, I got these guys. We're like, we're not giving up a safety uh, because those are my guys and I'm going to get them there. And if each person kind of gets Nebraska a little bit closer, you know, maybe, maybe that helps. You'll, you'll still have sort of the foundational questions we're talking about here but it might be a start to to addressing some of those. Vogue's going to wind down with this reaction to, to Nebraska-Wisconsin volleyball last night. Uh, one of their best sets of the season out of the gate, but unsustainable. And that's not a slap on them. Wisconsin's really, really good, but some pretty high-level volleyball. And I think Coach Cook was was proud of the effort last night. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he definitely was. I was actually a little bit, you know, <laughs> felt like a pretty frustrating loss. But uh, Coach Cook, and here's one where experience comes in and uh, just haven't been down this road a lot, was, was pretty upbeat with, I think, how they played. Nebraska played probably its best set of the season to, to take that first one. And then it was back to what C- Coach Cook would, and the players were talking about going into that match, where you've got these these close games and somebody's got to come out on top. And I think the difference so far against Wisconsin uh, has been, they've just got some players that in those, those high profile moments are a little bit more consistent than Nebraska's have been. And that's the difference between, you know, one of the five or six best teams in the country and, and potentially the best team in the country. Brandon Vogel with this Hale varsity radio. Lastly on, on volleyball, I, I wouldn't maybe put it as stark or as drastic as what Nebraska was facing in the early 90s when going against the speed teams um, in football where they had to you know, make some philosophical changes and kind of change the type of athlete they were putting in different positions in order to close that gap. But I am kind of seeing a little, you know, somewhat consistently this year, last year, it just appears that Nebraska lacks that explosive kind of firepower the, the the ability to terminate that it seems like the teams that beat them have is it, and it's surprising because of the level that Nebraska recruits at is is that something you're seeing too that Nebraska just doesn't have the caliber of of finishers 
of people that can terminate a ball with authority regularly <laughs> um, and the teams that they lose to do have those things. Yeah, I, you know, I see it I see it a little bit more in which, you know, like watching teams like Texas or Kentucky of late or even, even Louisville um, this season, it, you know, you, you do sort of see a, a little bit they, – they run a little quicker and they're just a little bit more explosive than Nebraska. Wisconsin, like – Wisconsin doesn't often feel that way. Like I look at the roster of Wisconsin and it feels like they're pretty similarly constructed. They're just a little bit more experienced um, than, than Nebraska is at this moment. And I think the, the class that Nebraska brought in has the potential to get there, but you're right. It gives you a little bit of pause because none of those, those high profile recruits in terms of your, your outside, your player on the outside or in the middle, um, was that kind of out of the gate? So can you get there? And I mean, Nebraska is very confident in its its strength program, et cetera. Um, but it's just it, you do see some of those players that kind of come in at other places, and they're just they're just explosive, explosive athletes. And and it's not that Nebraska doesn't have those. It's just you know they're maybe five or six percent behind. So yeah, I think there's something there with that. I lied to you. I'm not letting you go play drums with the kiddo yet. Um, uh, OC offensive line. We all have names out there. What's the timeline, Vogues? Is this end of the week? Is this before the fifteenth? Uh, I mean, in homes begin the twenty eighth. All right for for recruiting. What's what's your your take on these next sequence of events with hires and? Uh, is Nebraska going to be able to go get the guys they want, or are they going to be able to, or are they going to be kind of stuck? Are they going to have to settle? Yeah, I I think they they've they've had a little bit of a head start here. I'd be surprised if by the end of next week they had all of those filled. Um, and I'm guessing there, are, you know, we'll see how that that information comes out. But there's a lot of football to be played today. Then obviously we've got the conference championship game. Um, the following week, but I think a lot of the kind of movement in terms of coaches being let go will, will probably be done by the middle of this week. So I could, I could see, I'm sure they've got a pretty good list of, of guys that are going to contact regardless. Um, some things could change. Coaches may be moving. That, that changes things for everyone. So I think by that second week in December, you'd really hope to, to, to have those people in place because they'd give them a little bit of time to, to get some recruiting in and at least you know introduce themselves to not just the current commits, but guys they may want to go out and get. Vogue, you take care. Have a good rest of your, your holiday weekend and appreciate you so much. Great stuff. Yep, thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Brandon Vogue, a little extended time with the uh, managing editor for Hale Varsity and author of Dream like a champion with John Cook. Cranach, awesome question about the leadership differences and the willingness to, to delegate. And do you think it's just a, a trust issue or is it a, a, a an absolute power thing, bud? Cranach must have uh, went to walk the dog. No, I did not. I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it, no, I think that's part of it. I think... Delegation is is a thing, but one thing I've just seen over the years, different um, 
you know, companies and, and whatever is, you know, one of the last things that really good leaders, um, fully grasp Mm -hmm. is just the impact of anything they say or do. Like it is the, the impact of anything they say or do is so much greater than they usually realize. And that's where experience comes in. When you have like a really experienced top flight leader, they completely comprehend that. (laughs) They understand that the, the, their mannerisms, the way they say things, who they say them to, how often they say them, what words they choose really matter a lot. And I think Scott's pretty freewheeling on that stuff. You know, I th- and, you know, people are like, oh, he's honest. Well, maybe. But what's the downstream impact of that? What, what is the impact of what you say, what you emphasize, how you emphasize it, when, to who? And I feel like people like John Cook completely understand that. <laughs> and they and they and they're and they they speak in a really measured way accordingly. And part of that's delegation, because, you know, when you delegate, you're not going to be speaking as much. Right. You're not going to be saying as much. And so you have fewer opportunities to send the wrong message. (laughs) Right. Um, And it allows you to choose your moments and to emphasize the big picture things that you want to emphasize to keep that program on track. And I just feel like Scott is probably micromanaging uh, on offense, probably to a degree special teams this year, too. And I think he does have to back away a little bit. And I think he needs to pick a few things that he won't negotiate on and that are just going to be hallmarks of the program and just hammer those things regularly and nothing more, but is <laughs> nothing that, more and nothing less. Is that not more difficult to do after the season you had this year looking at, well, we were three and nine last season. I feel like it'd be tough for a person like Scott Frost to, to look at this and the results this year and go, the best thing for me to do here is to get out of the way, get out of the way and take my hands off. No, you're going gri- to grip tighter that, that's because of how screwed up it was. Yeah, that's the natural that's, reaction, but it's the wrong reaction. The bigger question is, are you going to be able to get the right guys in here to fix it? Can you pick correctly? You, look, you, you, your team, you have been fielding a team that consistently offensively melts down, mm-hmm. crumbles under pressure. So you're the problem your offense he's the only constant Mm -hmm. he's the only constant you've changed out offensive lines you've you you saw logan smothers do exactly what adrian martinez has done down the stretch right you saw um god i can't remember his name but the walk-on that had to play um a couple years ago then ended up transferring out can't think of his name quarterback he he did the same thing vedral did the same thing you know like the, the same things happen the only constant has been frost and so he needs to recognize that. And somewhere along the way, the signals that he's sending or how tightly he's gripping it or how he's managing the offense does not work. It leads to a team that folds under pressure, mm-hmm. period. That's what happens. It, it's, and it's, it's not even debatable at this point anymore. That is absolutely the program that he has put into place. Special teams, pretty similar. They're, they're just garbage. <laughs> they're they're bad. I mean, they are they are collectively probably the worst unit in football. Period. They are really bad at it, and so that's that again. And that's with different kick returners and different punt returners and different coverage guys and different kickers and different punters. Like the one constant again is him, hmm. right? And so there is something he is doing, probably, and or a few things that he's doing. 
that are leading to that. And he has to recognize that and he has to step away. Hmm. I, I, because if he keeps going the way he's going, what, what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to get better? No, no. I mean, you have to, it has to, it has to change, it has to change. Well, uh, and, and he needs to start with himself. We'll wrap up a weekend edition. The show will be posted for you on the uh, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, the show is also a daily podcast. So subscribe to us. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. Want to hear your feedback and uh, subscribe to that. Quick time out. Some uh, more thoughts here. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, cheers to you for making it through 2021 as a Nebraska football fan. Uh, a cheers to Amy Williams and the Husker women. A cheers to Will Bolt and Husker Volleyball. And see a Fred and the gang get their act together for men's basketball. Recapping Nebraska, Iowa, Iowa's comeback in 19-point fourth quarter. The meltdown sparked by special teams. Special teams is pretty much just an arsonist at this point. If we're going to label uh, that phase of the football game. And uh, unit reminder about your friends who helped power our road shows all season long. That was Champaign, that was Minneapolis, that was Norman, and that's uh, on site at the Single Barrel or the Bar the Bar, uh, Ferris Financial Group, Arrow Brokerage. Ferris Financial, their goal to educate and coach and help you work towards your investment goals. That's specializing in investment strategy and help with budgeting and planning. And there's been lots of transition for so many folks. If you're starting a new job or going through a job change, Ferris Financial can help get you uh, set up financially that way. And how about retirement? How about playing some golf in warm weather? Do you want that uh, that winter home? Do you want that summer location? Uh, let's talk about uh, big big picture ideas with your finances and anywhere in between with Ferris Financial Group. Marcus Schmidt is who you contact. Marcus.Schmidt at LPL.com or give Marcus a ring at 402-525-6824 or can reach out to Ferris Financial Group, FerrisFinancialGroup.com. How about real estate? Aero Brokerage, Aero Capital, your full-service real estate brokerage operated by local investors here in the capital city. And uh, they specialize in that investment, right? When it comes to uh, the, the the mighty team of realtors they have that are local, they help clients out in all faculties of real estate. That includes buying, selling, staging, investing, and much more. And uh, be sure to uh, get in contact with a couple of good folks at Arrow Capital, Arrow Brokerage, broker Jenny Limbach or realtor Marcus Schmidt. And can email brokerage at aerolincoln.com. The website, aerolincoln.com backslash brokerage. And Facebook, reach out to them there at aerolnk or on Instagram at aero underscore Lincoln. Cranach, we've unpacked a lot. Elijah, we've talked a lot. And uh, these next four hires are going to be big. And I, you know how much we uh, love Ron Brown's 
coaching ability and, and having him as a guest. Um, I I liked what I saw from the running backs. I just didn't like the amount <laughs> or lack of amount. We saw the running backs in, in the fourth quarter with a lead, and, and that wasn't anything to do with Coach Brown. I mean, he's not calling the plays, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see where things go with the offensive line and OC and and special teams. You have four spots to fill, uh, wide receivers coach as well. What's your ideal setup, Cranach? Are you going special teams coordinator, uh, running backs coach, and OC slash quarterbacks coach, and a receivers coach? Do you ask Becton to do the wideouts as well as the tight ends? Uh, do you talk Ron into staying? Uh, now that he can't go recruit, but he's 65. I mean, at a certain point, you don't like jacking with recruiting. Um, and again, I don't have any inside info on his attitude toward that, but you saw the backs play as well as they've played. You saw Yant get coached up in two weeks, right? And uh, some tough love given to Yant after after not being available, a coach's decision against uh, Wisconsin. But you saw Scott uh, step up against Wisconsin, looked good. So I don't know. What's uh, I, you got a couple of names out there. One guy on staff, Bill Bush, and I know he's been an analyst, so physically he can't be out there. But Bill Bush's recruiting prowess speaks for itself. If you want to upgrade talent, everywhere he's been, he's done that, and some high-profile guys. Uh, your OC's got to be able to work with quarterbacks. Uh, I think you got a running backs coach on staff with Ron Brown. And I'm pretty buoyed, and I don't know that he leaves because they they have a chance to play for an ACC title today. But I'd find a hell of a way to get John Garrison back here with development of offensive linemen, finding O-line guys, and then let him coordinate the run game because he was really good uh, when he was here with uh, some of the offensive line. And, <clears throat> excuse me, our old buddy Searles, Touched on the fact uh, Spencer Long's been a, a really good one in Lincoln for a long time. And Spencer is a walk-on defensive lineman. John Garrison, just case in point, took from the defense, moved to the guard spot on offense. And, you know, that's the last all-conference offensive lineman you've had. Uh, that's just one, one example, uh, the eye for talent and then the development. So that's the name that, that I love, but I, it might be – might be a stretch because of what he's got rolling, what he's doing at NC State. Yeah, it's a little – I don't know because there's so many domino – it's it's contingent on so many things. Like are you going to be able to keep Travis Fisher, for instance? And if you can keep him because he always gets offers at the end of the year. If I'm Fisher, um, I get the hell out. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just I, – and if I'm Chin, you know, and listen, I don't want Scott to not be here, but if things don't get better by October 1st, I'm handing the keys over to Chin as interim, and maybe you have yeah. your next head coach on staff here because they're craps together on the defensive side of the ball, big picture. I was talking to a friend about this last night, and he asked a good question. He said, what element of Nebraska, big picture or little picture, or, or you know, smaller detail, has been consistent this year? He's not talking about necessarily high-performing, or what, but what has been consistent this year and the, I think that there's like two things that you could pick one of them is pass coverage pretty consistently good all year mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. like it's just been pre- like just have not been burned a lot through the air this year a couple times maybe but just 
that was a consistently good pass coverage unit this year. And then tight end production. Yeah. Those those that that has been solid, consistent all year. And that's about it. That's about the only thing that you can pick that has been consistent this year. Unless you want to go the other route and say consistently bad, then there's plenty to choose from. <laughs> but I'm just talking about consistently good. Those are the two elements. So when you consider those, so say Travis Fisher leaves, well then Bill Bush maybe becomes a secondary guy. Right, because right? which that. means he can't yeah. then that means he can't become the special teams guy. Um I don't know. I don't think that special teams coordinator specifically is the answer. I, I really don't. It's and just more attention it, to the unit. Yeah, it could be, and that could be the way to go. But then you, uh, you know, you're you're sacrificing things elsewhere. You know, when if you decide to dedicate a full time head coach to that, or a full time coach mm-hmm. to that, it can work. There's there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I think it fundamentally starts and ends with the head man and his philosophy, and what he'll tolerate and what he won't. And when you trot out that mantra of no fear of failure and then refuse to return punts and refuse <laughs> to return kicks, hello, that a special teams coordinator is not going to fix that, right? It's a philosophy. The greatest one in the world is not going to fix that. that. I mean, that's that is a that is a top of the food chain head coach philosophy decision. He, they, they literally just decided we are not returning punts. That we're not, we're not doing it. It's too risky. No fear of failure. What? Right. I, so I don't know. A lot of different ways to skin the cat. And I, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be very interesting and intriguing about all the different names coming in, but it all goes up to the head man mm-hmm. and him being willing to admit uh, where he's falling short, where he needs to back off, how much his words matter, all those sorts of things. That That's where it starts and ends with me. Elijah, you, uh, you had some confession on Twitter and that you are going to convince yourself or talk yourself into a better 2022. Yeah. You want us to, to keep you away from that, that edge of the cliff? Just keep, just keep me honest. Okay. Just keep me honest. Just keep me from going over the edge. Yeah. Appreciate you both. Appreciate you greatly. Elijah, be good. Cranach, you rock, brother. We'll uh, talk next week for the weekend edition. Back Monday at 4 with Hale Varsity. Take care.